1: cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you?
2: Excellent, Josh. Wow. Like, what a way to announce the new Premier League season, FPL season, uh, points, so many points this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, something for everybody. I felt like if you went with a like very standard kind of what a term that gets used a lot is the the template team, right? Like a yeah. team that looks very similar to what you might see on websites and social media and things like that. If you went with that, that was good. Mm-hmm. If you decided to kind of take some risks and go with Sar and maybe a couple of Chelsea players, and like that worked as well. If you you know, took a gamble on someone like Ben Rama that worked out. There was very few combinations outside of not owning Bruno and Salah. If you didn't have yeah. those two, you were in big trouble.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, it's like, it's yeah. like walking into a, uh, a casino and somebody is yelling like so many ways to win. And that was the way FPL was inviting us all in. Like it doesn't yep. matter which slot machine you sit at. The coins will probably be pouring <laughs> out of them. And yeah, I think we do have to talk a little bit about that template idea because there are, bound to be managers listening to this episode that are like what did i do to deserve this by just not having bruno and sala and suddenly i'm 40 to 50 points are behind in my mini leagues already and it's it it it's, I, I, it it sucks it really does it, it's it is and, and I want to, I, I think we both want to start by saying like, wow, this was such a fun weekend. If yep. FPL has one flaw, it is that, um, it is that the, the Sala Bruno sort of phenomenon is yeah. is, is any weekend where you try to, uh, break the norm, you can get totally buried.
1: Yeah, totally. I, but I think that it is, it's, I mean, it's rare that those two will combine for 37 points combined in an opening weekend. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely insane, right? was it four goals and two assists total across the board. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, Salah could have had more. I mean, it was, it was kind of a wild Brunos were like a little, I don't want to say flukier, but they were sort of like, they well, were, one of them was rant.
2: probably offside, I guess it's fair to say.
1: Well, not anymore. Not because of the thick. I'm so, I'm actually so happy that there was a marginal offside that they told us. I mean, so yesterday was, it was not just one of the best premier league, game days that match days, then I can remember, um, going back quite a long ways. It was one of the best days straight yeah. up that I think I've had in about 18 months. I was so happy yesterday. It was, <laughs> I, the match, Josh, I mean, tell us why. Well, I mean, the fantasy thing is obviously part of it. And like, maybe, you know, whether a fantasy should be a, a, a serious driver of this much of a driver of my happiness is, is an open question, <laughs> but I mean, clearly it's, it's, it's my preferred hobby right? Yeah. It's the thing I really enjoy doing. And <laughs> and that's where so many of my friends are now too, right? That's yeah. where I, some people I've, I've gotten to know. And it's where I like to talk and and whatever, you you know, it's okay to have a hobby, however niche it is, right? Some people are, are into cosplay, right? And I'm into, <laughs> I'm into, I, fantasy is a kind of sports cosplay, isn't it, right? You get to kind of pretend that you're, uh, <laughs> you're the, uh, yeah, yeah
2: we're, we're not full kit wankers <laughs> at this point yet, though, Josh, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was, but it was just, so the matches were on and it was, it was a beautiful day in New York. Um, I went to the Black Horse uh, for, for the second half of a, of a match. Uh, and it was just, it was just a very good day. I might, I had, I got 20,000 steps on the day, Brennan. I'm trying to be a little bit healthier. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah. I had a great night, uh, listening to records and hanging out in the evening. I don't want to get you know too into the details of my own personal life here, but it was just a great day. <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah. I was like, this is what, and I know that there's all kinds of, horrible things going on in the world, but it felt like for one day that things well, were kind of normal.
2: Sure. And I think you're setting the tone correctly there, Josh, for you personally. And as we try to make fantasy fun again, at always cheating, separating the premier, separating the PL from the FPL right. to watch that full game week slate of fixtures and see fans, uh, maximized in the stands to feel that through the TV broadcast here in the States. There, there was a magic in the air where it felt, and and it always helps when tons of goals are scored. But there was that kind of magic yeah. in the air where it felt yeah. like something special was happening, and we we've we've got our game back.
1: It was great, and the fans in the stands obviously was such a, it was just wonderful. It was, I mean, even today, right? I mean, they do do Spurs win that match today if it happens last season and there's nobody in the stands man Man city probably win that right
2: and what we saw throughout the whole weekend was home teams by and large having the advantage we're going to talk about Watford and Brentford of course during this episode um but across the board uh home teams Newcastle even in the first half against West Ham like off to a great start credit to their amazing fans at St. James Park so I I think those fans definitely showed what they were made of and, and how they helped their teams this weekend.
1: Yeah, interesting too that you had uh, ten wins and ten losses, no draws on opening weekend. Which I, I, I didn't look it up, but I that feels unusual to me that you would start off a season with with no draws. In my head, I had this idea that, and maybe this is just it's changed the last couple of years, but this idea that it used to be kind of cagey the opening yeah. weekend, and I think uh, that that was definitely not the case in, in no. any match that was played this weekend so let's get into our teams a little bit i had a good game week uh i mean very good game week i have a very excellent uh, i had a 101 points uh finished i'm in the 300k 316,000. i guess is my rank right which yeah. uh in some ways you are like 316,000 is doesn't seem that high but it's out of 7 million managers right so it's in the top whatever this top five percent at the start of the season which i think is just a fantastic place to be and feel very happy about that and I would say my team did not change that much from the team that you and I discussed a couple of days ago. I really was struggling with the I, Fernandez, Sala and Greenwood were, were really locks for my team. I thought Greenwood played great. And uh, I feel pretty good about him starting moving forward, even as other players come in, because I just thought that he, you, you can just play him in so many different places. There's really no reason for him to, to move to the bench. I don't know why they would. I mean, Dan James seems like the obvious candidate for a, for an incoming benching. Um, and, and Tony obviously played great. and, That You know, it's interesting thing with Antonio because you and I both were sort of, I guess I was a little down on him on our forward podcast. And I, 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 you know, ultimately you and I both had him in our draft teams going into game week one. So we talked about him on last week's podcast. There's still a little bit of worry just because he's so injury prone. And, and ultimately in some ways he still doesn't have an incredible track record as a striker he still has I think, <laughs> yeah. I think he has 48 goals in his career in the Premier League but he was on fire in the preseason continues to be on fire yeah. and uh, so he was great and then we'll, we'll talk about Ben Rama in just a second here uh-huh. uh, but then the the Samikas versus Jota Gamble feel like that one worked out you call it a draw i suppose uh joda did outscore samikas eight to six but samikas is 3.5 million cheaper so you're basically getting two extra points for for So i think that but but ultimately i think maybe joda is a safer pick in some ways too so i think that there's different ways to look at that but i think you can call that one a draw right now and then the the one thing i I regret a little bit is just is gundawan who i thought i was really buying because I, i wasn't enamored with any particular Midfielder in that kind of range in game week one itself. And so I thought, sure. you know what, let me just focus on game week two and I'll just get Gundogan early. I don't want to pre bank a transfer. Um, and so I, I you know, because I got one thing I was thinking about was Pulisic and then moving to Gundogan. And I was like, well, in case I got other injuries and I want to be in that position. So Gundogan was, he was okay. I mean, Man City just don't seem like they're quite you know, at full, you know, at full, all, whatever, all systems. Mm-hmm all systems revving or whatever. Uh, and now it looks like he may have injured his shoulder too. So the that way was that an I,
2: incredible injury he got at yeah. the end of the Spurs game where they totally. both teams and the referee just left Gundogan on the sidelines to just like writhe around and suffer. Was <laughs> no strange. one No one yeah. was taking it seriously. And the, the med team had to like go all the way around the pitch. And it was really kind of sad.
1: That it was just a, it was a very physical match. I have to say that as far as the intensity goes, that even though it wasn't, I, I don't think an especially well played match. I thought the physicality of it was yeah. was that was at a pretty high level. So uh, the way the optimistic way that I'm looking at this is the gundawan possible injury doesn't look great. Maybe it saves me from myself a little bit, and I yeah. just get out of the. It, it's a it's a ready made excuse to get out of the Gundawan punt okay. early and just yeah. move on to somebody new. Danny Yings with the, with a miracle penalty late <laughs> what a wonderful that is that is truly that's when you know you're having a great fantasy weekend when Danny Ings in the 90 whatever the seventh minute or something gets yeah. gets someone's penalty, took it pretty well too I, I he's had some penalty uh issues over the years and so to watch him take that penalty well was was yeah. a good sign so I finished 101 and I actually lost our head-to-head 50 buck cup matchup this week Brandon because you finished on was it 107 points I'll tell you
2: 106
1: yeah 106. and okay
2: Unreal, unreal score. Going into Sunday, I was on 80 points even. And yeah, you know, one of the changes I made from when last we potted was bringing Ben Rama into the midfield. And I had, <coughs> had tapped him last week as probably a player that um, is flying under the radar. And, you know, this is the always cheating bump, Josh. Like, suddenly mm-hmm. Ben Rama is all over. Social media, yep. I I will not take credit for it, but <laughs> I was really pleased to see uh, all the enthusiasm about Ben Ramos sort of percolating going into game week one. And so between him and Antonio and one point from Sufal, it bumped me all the way up to 106. And like it's it's a dream start, it really is. Uh, uh, but even at 106, you can't tr- you can't uh, crack the top 100k overall. So that puts me at 122,000. And uh, yeah, I'm buzzing. Josh from yeah. from this great start.
1: I wonder actually it's possible you are inside the top 100k. There may be so many managers bunched up in that range that it's possible you're you're just you're just outside it or close to it. Um, right now it's every even when you're even on points it's just so early in the season that there can be 20, 30,000 players that all share the, the same rank.
2: I think that's important to note Josh because so many of these points are coming from the same two players, Bruno and Salah. You mm-hmm. might be looking at your OR and thinking, I've got a lot of ground to make up already, but yes, it is so tightly packed, um, various Pelotons and whatnot, that um, you know one point here or there in game week two is going to catapult you up hundreds of thousands of ranks. So that's true, yeah. And just, just to touch upon the big things that changed in my thinking since last week going into game week one, it was definitely leads. And that feels very much like Neo and the Matrix dodging bullets, where I think a lot of us just suddenly after talking leads up all preseason, totally just started to get this this uh, feeling like a like a ripple in the force that this this isn't right. And I I think it's strange that I gravitated away from leads like Bamford and Rafinha became Ben Rama and Antonio. And I think it really is the power of the fixtures. And that is, that is, I think what FPL managers, if you're feeling like you're out of control already in game week one, what you can control is just assessing these key matchups and these key fixtures and uh, West Ham, their first three fixtures were just shaping up better. It's mm-hmm. the story is obviously not written. Who, which assets are going to be better long term picks for or Ben Rama, Antonio or, or, or Bamford? Um, but I just feel really fortunate that um, I came out on the right side of that one. And then, so you mentioned S- the Simikas versus Jota uh, matchup and how Jota comes out two points ahead this week. You you said, Josh, you think Jota is the safer pick. If I have any anxiety going into Burnley, it is that Jota is not as safe as Simikas because right. – you know, I guess it's I mean safe
1: over mm. 15 weeks or something mm-hmm. like that, not necessarily – this, yeah give me two
2: yeah yeah jota probably does score outscore samikas um over 15 weeks versus just the next three but um this is the curse of having a flyer in game week one now josh we're in the position of like what do we do to um <laughs> to, to keep all this 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 ground that we've gained it's like trying to move the Maginot line in world war one okay like like, uh, yep. now we've got this territory, let's hold it. And I look at Jota and I'm like, is Jota risking me holding this, this land that I've carved right. out?
1: Well, Brandon, this is, this is what I am trying to instill in you going into this season, which is to, to take your, your FPL anxiety and turn it <laughs> into optimism. All right. Uh-huh, so the, yeah. the way to think about it is I am in 120 K overall after game week one. I am going to destroy this season and this, <laughs> yeah, this is the yeah, year yeah. I finish in the top 100. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's the approach. I mean I, I with 101 at the top 300k I feel I feel great. I mean that is yeah. exactly where I hope to be. I just wanted to be in the top 500 if I could. Or even, even the top Really, I mean, they're, they're what seven? There's seven million managers just over that uh, right now who've registered for the game, um, and they were actually already they're already eliminating duplicate accounts, like teams with the you know like duplicate managers. So um, that is like a fairly clean number. So that that's yeah. mar- you know so, so so if you're in the top 700k, that's a great spot to be too. You're in the top 10 percent overall, and and as you said. If you aren't, I, it's just, you could move a million spots in a week right now. Um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully not backwards if, if if possible, but (laughs) that does bring, that does bring me to question number two though. And, and sort of in this theme, Brennan of, of transfers and, and kind of plotting your next move. Um, Shiv says, is the theme of the podcast, the template works. And I think in some ways it's an interesting question. Certainly when you look at Bruno and, and Salah, I think the answer is clearly yes, like get the highest owned players. If you look at Luke Shaw, right? 55% owned, uh-huh. uh, pretty mediocre game, honestly. Picked up a late yellow card. I mean, this is exactly what I was getting from Shaw every week, the final 10 weeks of the season. <laughs> and I sort of, yeah. I, I I honestly just got him because at the end of the, tend to be cliche here, but at the end of the day, going into game week one, I just thought I don't want to go into this weekend stressing out about this man you game cuz I don't have a player is 55% owned Yeah. and and but but ultimately this is kind of the Shaw experience it's 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 not a he's not a rock solid uh Diaz type or yeah. he's, he's he's no Samika's Brandon okay i
2: mean i agree <laughs> Shaw looked pretty jaded uh by the end of that that match and he was just kind of booting the ball around not really passing yeah. to his teammates i didn't really understand that performance but On Sala and Bruno, the reason that these guys um, are priced as high as they are and have this high ownership is you they and they become template is because these guys are so consistent. Why does everyone have Sala over Mane? Well, Mane could blow Sala out of the water any given week, but Sala is the more consistent asset. Fernandez. I mean, you're a Greenwood owner, Josh, like Greenwood had probably the best finish of those five goals that Manchester United scored, yeah, yeah. but Fernandez is just the, he was mo he was the, he's the most consistent FPL asset because he was the most consistently in front of goal near the six yard box, weirdly. And so this is, this is like I was saying at the start of the pod. it's, you, you could consider it a flaw in the FPL game, um, that, uh, that, you can't go Mane instead of Solo without getting buried. But you also just have to respect the fact that these are the most consistent players season to season. That's why they get this level of ownership and yeah. whether you want to play that game or not, you do have to respect it and uh, how the game ultimately will be won across 38 game weeks is will you choose the right week to not be on not be on Sala or Fernandez. And if you do, yeah. then you will have the last laugh. So you've got 37 more weeks to figure out um, which handful of weeks that's going to be. Uh, but but generally, I yep. think cons- the word template is used more than the word consistent. And I think that that might be a flaw in our perspective.
1: I think that's true. I, I And I think what we're going to start seeing now, I think, is at least a difference in the captaincy. I mean, Sala finished on 17 points, Fernandez on 20 those are incredibly high returns. I don't. I don't see those getting. I. I. I would be surprised if either of them. I mean, twenty points is just a lot. It's just very rare that you see a player get a hat trick in a match. Uh, it was Bruno's first hat trick for Man United. Um, he may have had higher points Halls just because he may have Picked up a couple more assists To, to go with some goals in a Couple of matches but um, it, it's Just it just so happened that It was this first week when Those returns are big but I Think now we have a real Captaincy debate between those Two which I think is great um, and Lukaku in in a few weeks and Things are going to start Mixing up really quickly and I Think there's still a lot of Room I mean Greenwood and Gundawan, I think there's I, in, in My team for example are the Two kind of low ownership Players that I have I think Even those three even just Three four or five different Players that's enough for you to see a really big range of, of scores this week, um, as you know it. I mean, I, even among people who had Fernandez and Sala, I think you were seeing somewhere between you know ninety five and one fifteen. And I know I was talking to our, our friend producer Mike. who was like I have, I think he had like eighty nine points, and he was feeling bummed out. And I, I was saying to him that it's it's honestly it's just because one hundred is such an unusual number yeah. for for people to consistently get in a non double game week and just a normal week where teams aren't playing twice to make up you know, um, to make up, uh, whatever FA cup commitments or whatever. Um, so it's just, it's just very rare for that to happen. And so as a result, it makes it seem like, um, you've really been bummed out, but if, if this were a week where somebody got 62 points and you were on 47, you'd be like, ah, whatever it's game week one. And I think yeah. that hundred just makes everything seem so much more yeah. extreme.
2: Definitely. yeah, uh, 100 is, is the uh, notch in the bedpost sort of number that a lot of FPL <laughs> managers have used through the years. And, yeah. um, yeah, so I I agree. That's that that makes it feel a little different.
1: All right, so we're going to get into today's theme in just a second here. It's uh, overperformers, underperformers, and head scratchers after game week two. Uh, one, two, two quick one things. One is an alert, and this is a, something that I feel like I wasn't taking as seriously as I should until now, as I start to think about some transfers I might make this week, yeah. um, and that is a reminder that the international break is after game week three. Now, typically in a normal kind of, in a, you know, in a time of the Premier League where COVID isn't a, a such a major factor, it's usually after game week four. And so after game week three, we're going to have this international break. We'll be off for a week. Um, and what makes this kind of tricky is, is, unfortunately, COVID. And so Rafinha, Allison, Firmino, Richarlison, Eder, and Gabriel Jesus have all been called up for World Cup qualifying. And because South America is squeezing an extra match in, they may miss game week four due to self-quarantine, right? The mm-hmm. last qualifier is September 9th and game week four matches kick off on September 11th. If these, if, if everyone stays for that third World Cup qualifier, and which they may because we're not, we're not talking about a friendly here, right? We're talking about a yeah. World Cup qualifier, pretty important thing. So if they do that, then it's possible all of those managers could miss mm-hmm. game week four. But Brandon, it gets worse. Because go on. <laughs> we haven't, they have their, the Argentina, uh, the Argentines have not called up their their players yet. And that could also see Emmy Martinez and Emmy Buendia also leave for, for, um, um for <laughs> not one, qualifying. but two Emmys, Josh. Exactly. On the same team, no less. So we could be in a position where a lot of really key players can't actually play in game week four. And I, I bring this up, A, as like a public service announcement, and B, I was thinking a little bit about Rafinha and Boendia as possible gun-to-one replacements, but I think the fact that they could be missing a game week just 2 weeks from now yeah. really gives me pause and makes me feel like maybe those aren't the players I want to consider. So, just throwing that out there as a note to people. And again, this may it may be that they work it out so that anyone who has to come back to England and self-quarantine for a few days doesn't play in that game week 3 qualifier, but that's not how these national teams typically work. They're they're not they're not super concerned about the Premier League And in their success they're concerned about their own national teams and how they do so
2: and and the play and not to get the players short shrift i remember this was reporting around the copa america and there's brazil was thinking of boycotting the copa america because of corruption within the brazilian government and and how the tournament was being run however all the players uh were 100 committed to reporting to South America for World Cup qualifying because at least from the Brazilian point of view there is nothing more important to them than going to the World Cup so that yep. that would be the last thing that especially the Brazilian players from this reporting I was reading would be willing to give up and I sh- I'm sure the same could be said of 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 most if not oh. all the countries in South America. If you
1: haven't seen the Amy Martinez hip thrust after <laughs> yeah. winning uh, Copa America, but imagine what he'll do uh, when, when Argentina is playing in the world cup. So I don't mean to end this, this, this intro section on a, on a down note here, but it's, it's just a word to the wise, just keep an eye out. And, and maybe, maybe if you're on the fence between game week, you know, three and game week four, for example, and thinking about whether you want to, um bank a transfer hold one for later i I would really consider holding one because i think there's a good chance that some players in your squad will not play gaming Four if they're south american so just throwing that out there could be an issue for some people but one last thing patreon i want to say thank you to everyone we had so many new patrons join this week it was really heartening we we really put a lot of work into the preseason and All the people who came and joined and supported the podcast on Patreon—it was really validating. If you want to do that yourself, the it wasn't kind of incredible. It was—I thought it was beyond. Twitter. Like I could not believe how how active and interesting the conversation was on our main thread chat this weekend and just lots of stuff going on all over the place uh, on our Slack and of course we're doing we're doing bonus podcasts every single week for our Patreon supporters. We have a ma- manager of the month where we're giving a brand new always cheating baseball it's our baseball tee uh, yeah. that we're giving out and that's in August of this month it's going to go to the Patreon uh, supporter who scores the highest score so um, if you are interested in, in winning that manager of the month award, we're, we're going to, I think we should keep it up for one more week, Brendan. I, I guess we don't want anyone coming in like the last day of August, right? So not going to happen uh, up until the start of game week two. <laughs> if you become a Patreon supporter, you can still be eligible for that manager of the month award. Um, and, uh, also the weekend review newsletter, all kinds of other stuff. So it's patreon.com alwayscheating always cheating. do you want to run through a quick Thank you to all of our new patrons.
2: Yeah, and and before I do, just to underline what you just said, Josh, you'll hear the occasional ad on the Always Cheating podcast, but your Patreon support is genuinely the lifeblood of, of what gets Josh and I on these microphones every week, and it becomes all about that community that we're creating, and just to be a part of the conversation that our supporters are having on our Slack was so much fun this weekend. So a uh, big thanks to all of you, and a special thanks to new patrons at the producer level, Jazz Binning. Francis Moore at the Volkswagen level, thanks to Simon Oystein, Christopher Messel, Patrick Russell, Craig Kellium, uh Magic Schneig- uh, Snigaki. Okay, that was a tough name. At the Lord Sorlaut tier, this is bursting with supporters, Joshua, thanks to Ellen Tapper, Merritt Hegelin, Ben James, Jacob McIntosh, Chris Brown, Jonas Segergren, the Tyne, Ivan Grottle, Nielsen, Tor Foreland, Nim McKinney. Marshall, Marshall Brancy, Brancy, James Parham, uh, Roth, Roth. Okay. Uh, I feel like Tim Heidecker right now, Josh, Justin Leatherwood, Timu Puki. Oh my God. We finally got a premier league player to support the podcast. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Mateus Jensen, Anders Rudd, Kami, uh, Rodri Lloyd, Cameron Archer, Jack Burchett, the third, uh, see if you can get your dad to join while you're at it, Jack Jozo Frankovich, Harry Cotter, uh, Jose de la Roja, Michael Johansson, Daniel Brennan, Chris Heiger, Johan Espong, Brett McDowell, and Chris O'Connor. Thank you so much to our new supporters.
1: All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break. We'll get back and talk about overperformers, underperformers, and head scratchers going into game week two. All right, Brandon, we're back. Today's theme: overperformers, underperformers, and head scratchers we got some big picture questions. We've got some small picture questions. We've got some individual players that we want to discuss. Let's kick things off though with Eric Freeman, who says, what questions did you have going into game week one that you felt were answered or that remain unanswered?
2: Yeah, this is an impossible question for me to answer. I'm just I'm trying to think of the right thing to say. But then I look at all 10 fixtures that were played in game week one, and it's like each fixture and all 20 teams, it's, it's almost like they presented something that I didn't expect and expected. Like Everton for one half, crummy as expected, and then suddenly uh, through Decoray, they were they were magical. Right. Um, and then a, I, I think if I were to settle on one thing, my question going into game week one was just how bad are the three promoted teams going to be this season? And my opinion for, for at least this game week is totally upended because Watford looked brilliant. I mean, I I think Villa were asleep. However, Watford still looked brilliant. Brentford (laughs) similar situation with Arsenal to like, Jesus, how low can they go? Um, but Brentford looked amazing, and even though Norwich, um, you know, they could only hang on for a good like uh, thirty minutes, they were they still they didn't they didn't look like the worst team that's ever been in the top flight. So uh, the answer to that question is, you know what? All of these promoted teams will have something to offer this season, um, and and that's that's kind of exciting. You had you had tweeted this on yeah. the Hail Cheaters Twitter, Josh, about. Uh, The relegation battle, just based on evidence from this week, is going to be uh, kind of sensational this season if everybody's able to keep up this level of play.
1: I thought that Norwich, even though they they lost, and they had the toughest match, certainly, of of anybody. A Liverpool team that had very few players away for international duty who basically have a title that they want to win back. It was just a tough, it was always going to be a tough match for them. But I think they really pass well. I have to, like... I think it was, we, we did this when we talked about Norwich in our preview pod, and I think they had far and away the most completed passes of any team in the championship last year. And you could really see it in that match. I thought that they really felt like a cohesive team. They certainly yeah. could have scored a goal late in that match. Um, right in near the end there, it was, um, that kind of cra- Allison made like five saves and, and <laughs> right. three seconds. It was kind of ridiculous. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I think that Norwich, even though the, I still feel pretty confident in our prediction, that they're going to finish, Twentieth, I'm, I'm sorry to say, uh, I I do think that there are going to be some matches where they really surprise some teams and, and win some games they shouldn't, and so that that is exciting. As you said, Brentford and Watford. I mean, I, I at this point I, I would be surprised if Watford went down. They just, you know, they have got a lot of quality across the board, and and Brentford, we'll see. I mean, that that was kind of an unusual match in some ways because it was this kickoff first match in their in the in the first division in 74 years. A lot of a lot of things going in their in their favor in that match. But uh, I thought Tony, who didn't get any attacking returns, still looked fantastic and really you know should have had a couple of assists in that match.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm undecided on that performance from Tony. Um, I think he was all deep lying playmaker Kane and no uh, just exists at all in yeah. the 18 yard box Kane. True, and I. I I agree with you, Josh, insofar as, sure, like Tony looks equipped to play in the Premier League. Does he look equipped to be a fantasy asset? Um, I mean, we'll have to talk about, um, Emmanuel Dennis will have something to say about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about him in just a minute. As far as the unanswered questions, I think it's hard to to know what questions, uh, whether you have a real answer to the questions or not. I, I was worried that Man City would look unsettled in some ways that that question was answered. They, they, I mean, they looked on, they looked unsettled in the, in the charity shield. And I had some concerns about that. My, and I was like, well, they're, they're man city. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out by the time Sunday rolled around. And you you still really felt it in that match. I, mean, it was just, I felt like I was just amazed how often yeah. Spurs were able to get them on the counter attack. It was, yeah. it was shocking. And I, and I think if, if I had a question, it was about, I was curious how Grealish was going to fit. And I, I, I did feel like Grealish and Sterling together didn't, seemed to work for me it felt like they were both kind of overloading the left and i suppose if you had kevin i was i was talking to um uh some people on on social media about this but you know it it felt like you know it opened up some space but no one was really taking advantage of that space there was mares was kind of having one of those one of those bad mares days and so
2: jesus so bad um just like i pep pep is uh it's it's slipping through his fingers uh, gary neville made the point of its um which we could have all figured out but it's three one nil losses in a row for city if you go back mm. to the champions league final to the uh community shields to <clears throat> against spurs no goals all one nil losses and then Grealish, yeah I, I i was less concerned about the the overloading i think that's kind of like the the style that Pep wants to play. It's more that Grealish looked like he thought he was still playing with Aston Villa, meaning he was treating Raheem Sterling like he was Matt Target. And um, I, I think we are still waiting. We, we will have to wait a little while longer to see Jack Grealish fully level up. Um, so, from that point of view, though, I'm actually kind of encouraged to see Grealish's performance and playing the full 90 against Spurs. Because if he does step it up, and if City also, if all the players around him step it up, then, yeah, I am going to buy into the uh, Grealish's, like, a bargain price at, at $8 million. So generally positive read on Grealish's performance against Spurs.
1: I'm a little on the fence still. I, I just don't know how it's all... It feels like there's going to be a lot of moving players in and out to figure out the best, the best combination, and so... I, I do wonder a little bit if i'm just kind of out on on man city fantasy wise uh and i moving gun to one out for nobody for man city honestly yeah. seems okay acceptable to me uh even though they have two had home matches in a row i just don't know who i would have um farron Torres didn't impress like didn't impress enough for me to really try to move heaven and earth to bring him in kdb came back but he is one of the most expensive players in the game, unfortunately. And with Bruno and Sol in such good form, I I, I don't know how I would bring him in. I'd have to sacrifice. I'd, I'd have to wild card, basically, to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and that's not happening.
2: I, I think that if you're going to target one player for game week two on Manchester City, it feels like it has to be John Stones, because why in God's name is Pep persisting with Nathan Ake? Like, it's just... It, uh, yeah. I, I don't understand. And John Stones is there yeah. at 5.5. I think a lot of us could could squeeze him in. And I I'd be shocked if Stones doesn't get a starting position back going into game week, two. And it's 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 a nice fixture. And if you're Ruben Diaz and Ederson, you are probably hammering everyone um, in the defensive outfit there. Like we haven't had a clean sheet in too long. We are going to make it happen against the Canaries.
1: I think there are a couple other questions, that, and we're—I I don't want to get too much into the player talk here because we're, we have kind of a player section coming up in a second here. But just talking about teams, just broadly, um, I thought that uh, Everton—I was a little worried about, but it's hard—it's hard—it's hard to know how much to read of that match because, uh, oh, first of all, Adam—he's uh, not in our running order, so just a, a quick shout out to uh, Adam Armstrong, who joined a little bit under the radar. For Southampton this week came in as a six million forward. Started the the first match for Southampton. This is a guy who finished second in the Premier League in goal scoring last year. Right, right in between Timu Pukki and uh, and and Tony. So uh, and he's a little guy too, Bernard. You know I love a little guy. <laughs> you do, yeah, uh, yeah. Available for just uh, available for just six million in the game. Doesn't have a great game week too. They play they play Man United, but after that, not a bad run. Three out of four, pretty good. Newcastle, West Ham. Way to Man City, home to Wolves. So three out of four, is, four, of those I think are pretty good, pretty good fixtures for for a Southampton striker. Um, he may end up being a really nice Tony out move if if Tony just uh, just doesn't impress in game two. And I, and I think Tony, <clears throat> I got a little choked up there, Brendan. I was really you know <laughs> you, I love to work out with him. you love your yeah, Tony, you love Tony. I think that Tony certainly needs the Crystal Palace game. But let, let's see how he looks after that crystal palace looked how I thought they would look, which yeah. is kind of terrifying. I am a little worried now that we didn't have them in the relegation spot in our, <laughs> in our, in our team uh-huh. predictions. Uh-huh. Let's see if they start to figure it out a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean that Brentford palace match is suddenly extremely interesting just from a kind of, what do we have with these Definitely. two squad teams? Yeah. yeah that, Brandon, that brings us to the next question, which is from Ben got Ga- Ben Gautier, who says how quick to judgment should we be on the uncertain spots in our squad? For most people, that would be the mid-price midfielders. We saw Ben Rama and Sar, especially, both look very good. Yeah, between those two, okay, I know that Ben Rama got more attacking returns, but between those two, I would say it's like neck and neck over, over who <laughs> yeah. looked better this weekend.
2: Yeah, the advantage of Ben Rama is he plays on the better squad, um, but I guess the, the, the downside is he plays in a better squad that has a Thursday night European commitment. Right. Saar looked, it, he looked bigger, badder, uh, meaner than he did last time Watford were in the Premier League. And he was torching Matt Target there in the Villa defense. And it was so, so kind of in the spirit of this episode and, and Ben's question of how quick we should rush to judgment, is how much of that Watford Villa game was Watford just in the zone at their home stadium? and Villa just having a bad day at the office. I mm-hmm. could believe that, um, that, that read on that match. Uh, yeah. Like how, how <laughs> much was Villa flattering Watford? But, but yeah, on, on the whole,
1: sorry, <laughs> awesome. I mean, you had Target, Cash, Mings, and Kansa back there, you know, and Nemi Martinez.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can say the names and I, I agree. They're all good players, but um, any particular day? Uh, I mean, they, they they they're just not at it. And sure. you know, as good as they are, these are not elite. You know, this is this is this is not city. This is not Real Madrid. Um, it's 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 Birmingham, Josh.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, any given Saturday, Birmingham. and all and all those cliche. We can we can throw up We can we can reference Chinatown and, and, and other <laughs> other movies all we want. But I, you know, I think. I mean, for for Matt Target to get so slaughtered by Sar in the match, that they actually had to pull him at halftime. I, I yeah, it's a bad day at the office for sure. But I, I certainly come out of that thinking that Watford looked very good. I I, I wouldn't. I I, I mean, the, the issues I would have with Aston Villa would be at the attack. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they didn't seem very because Although I thought it got a little bit better. Certainly once, um, once Leon Bailey entered, he only played the final 30 minutes. I thought that things really kicked up from there. Of course he had the assist to, to McGinn late and it just, he seems like a real player and someone yeah. that, that you could absolutely consider is yeah. only 6.5 million. One, yeah. One, and, one and
2: one. didn't really exert himself on the match. And I think that we'll see more from him this season. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let me let me pointedly ask you, Josh. After game week one, you've got Gundawan to move. Possibly, would you go for how how high in your list is Islani Lamani uh yeah. and your replacement threat?
1: Well, I mean, I think Sar ben, Sar and Ben Rahm are both there. I mean, Sar. It's an interesting question. In some ways, I feel like Sar is actually the safer pick. Because I think that he is the most important player in in, in all in Watford's entire squad, and so I, it feels like he's sort of unmovable. I think he'll play ninety minutes practically every match. They've got a a pretty good run ahead. I suppose they have the they have a a more difficult game week two. I would say they play away a to Brighton, whereas. Benarama plays uh, home to Leicester, uh, which I don't know. I, mean, I guess maybe that's about equal, honestly. Um, although Leicester still have some some things that are changing in the back. It's isn't that it kind of crazy the way they just they, <laughs> they just made that center back signing. And the I mean, he's a good player too. That, that feels like a pretty bringing investor guard like almost immediately seems like a great signing, great bit of business.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. I mean, I think it's amazing that Leicester are keeping keeping clean sheets uh, with such a patched up defense back there, just going, looking at the community shield too. So just credit to them.
1: Yeah. So I I think that I'm leaning towards Ben Rama uh, and I have to, this is like one of those like mental block things for me where I, he feels like such a bandwagon popular pick now, even though he logically should be. And I mean, Brandon, the the man is number five for threat in the ICT index. You know, I, you know, I love my ICT (laughs) index. Yeah. He is he is fiftieth out of two hundred and thirty-three in creativity, Brent. I mean, that, that's yeah. top that's top uh twenty percent right there. Yeah. Very interesting. I guess stuff. I
2: guess the the wild card with Ben Rama is does Lingard end up moving back to West Ham in the next couple of weeks and does that suck up any of the Ben Rama oxygen? Now I think Bowen and Fernals easy drop one of those yeah. two to the bench, and I think Ben Rama has been groomed by Moyes since last season and through the preseason for this to be a, a breakout year for him. And, uh, he's been, he's been likened to, uh, you know, when, when Mahrez and Vardy at those budget prices during the Leicester title winning season, like is, is Ben Rama going to give us that, that kind of value? I mean, it's probably going to look more like a Lingard, um, uh, value proposition like we got at the second half of last season, which is which is yeah. not so bad. But yeah, I think the ben, yeah, the value with Ben Rama might edge out, Sar, just a little bit.
1: I think it's, uh, I think they're both great value. I think that they're both excellent picks. I am leaning towards it right now, and I, in fact, I, I'm, I, and to be quite honest, I really am leaning towards Ben Rama. I just like their next two fixtures so much more. Uh, their ne- next three really, because they play Leicester at home, Palace at home, Southampton away. And from there we can we can we can reevaluate and see where things stand. But the appeal of that is that would free up 1.5 million in my in my squad. And so that means if I if I feel like it's time to move on from Tony, which after after the Palace match they played Villa Way, Bright. I mean their, their their fixtures get a little bit worse after after the Palace match, and so. It'd be easy to go from from Tony. If I have that one extra 1.5 million from Don Grady Gundawan to, to Ben Rama, I could upgrade Tony to an 8 million player. So I could bring in Bamford. I could bring in Dominic Calvert Lewin. I could bring in one of the 7.5s. Lots of possibilities there. And so if it looks like Ben Rama is going to rise in price this week, I'll probably just make the move early, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to make sure I'm not I'm not you know caught short there. Uh, if it comes out that Gundawan's injured, then I, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. I hadn't thought about Europe, and that is annoying. But I I wonder if he usually early on in Europe they don't tend to play all of the all of the starters.
2: It's so, Yarmel It's Yarmolenko like, season it's in totally, in Europe totally. this year. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, maybe he makes the bench and comes on for 20 minutes or something yep. like that. But one of the things that I have resolved to do this year is to be a little more aggressive about making. Uh, early transfers and just not worrying too much about injuries because I didn't play the the value you know the the, the price rise game enough last year and I felt yeah. like it kind of caught me a little bit at the end and I was a little short on on some players that I just didn't get on early enough so uh, yeah so I I feel good about either one to be to be quite honest and so I think moving early I, it sort of just depends on who you're talking about I mean Gundawand is an easy pick if you had Mares, I think you just have to hold. If you have if you have Grealish, you have to hold. I mean, at least those are attacking players. And so, even if Marez only came in and played thirty minutes, or Grealish in game week two, they could still do something at home to Norwich in thirty minutes quite easily. I mean, look at look at what Firmino did um, against Norwich when he came out at the sixtieth minute. There's plenty of time to get attacking returns to become on late.
2: Yeah, that's my feeling about Jota is I, I do have a concern about does does Firmino get the start in game week, two? But uh, if if Klopp is going to play that, yeah, pl- plenty of time for uh, your mid-priced attacking asset to make something of of 30 minutes. So that's that's going to be Jota's uh, saving grace, hopefully.
1: All right. Next question comes from Ketifer. He says, uh, what are your most and least pleasant surprises? from game week one. this is going to turn to the Ben Rama cast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, certainly, uh, you know, your, your mid price sort of your, your, your punt, your, I like this player pick when they go off for an, a goal, a goal and an assistance and bonus. That's going to be, it's going to feel good. I mean, you mentioned the Danny Ings miracle, meaningless penalty. If we really were to pick this, pick the bones of my game week one team, the Ings seven pointer that actually like on 106 points, I guess if you Mm -hmm. just take those five points away, I'm still breaking a hundred, but that probably is the biggest miracle of this did you uh, did fun. you
1: i stood up i couldn't sit during that penalty did you were you able to sit in your chair when you took that penalty or did you stand up as well
2: yeah i was probably like laying on a on my sectional i was you know i yeah. i tend to <laughs> uh i tend to like my my back is never like fully upright so
1: okay um, okay i had to like hide behind a couch i was i was really nervous during that because it felt like it felt like such a pivotal moment right yeah if he misses right. that pen then if it, it, you're like oh. Like, this is what the fantasy experience is like. Yeah. Uh, then he makes the, then he scores the pen you're like, yes, this is what the fantasy experience is like. You know, so sort of either way, it felt like it felt true to the the fantasy experience.
2: Uh, just one other surprise I have to mention, Josh, and that's Nuno at Spurs. Like I, I don't think anyone had any real idea of how Nuno was going to fit with Spurs and how this is going to look like right out of the gate. But A, Nuno looks like he, he looks really healthy. He looked kind of trim. He also looks like he's properly dressed. Like, mm-hmm. it's, at, at Wolves, he was just always wearing, like, workout Stripes. gear, yeah. big parkas yeah. and whatnot. So he looked good. He felt good. He managed the team really well. So Nuno and Spurs probably uh, up there among among the pleasant surprises.
1: Yeah, which goes right into the next question, which is in that joke. guys, says, any interest in Spurs or Chelsea assets? Uh, are we still waiting and seeing, given the fixtures, new manager, transfer dealings, et cetera? I mean, I would love to bring in Sun. I mean, this is sort of the the question that I tried to resolve this week and ultimately couldn't. Um, I feel okay about it because I would have had to give up Mason Greenwood to bring in Sun, and ultimately Greenwood picked up eight points. Um, But yeah, I mean, putting Sun aside for a second, anybody else on Spurs that would that that sort of piqued your interest today?
2: I mean, I guess Tengenga had the uh, the man of the match performance, but. Yeah. Have I considered Spurs defense? It doesn't feel right with Eric Dyer starting as a center back that, that, that ultimately will, will blow up. Um, I suspect at least, at least by a uh, fine fantasy margins. I think, you know, as, as mentioned, I'm sure Nuno's got it under control. But I was that, that while I thought that was a decent, as you said, Josh, physical performance from Spurs and they, they played city, um, as, as, as well as they could have, it wasn't one of those, uh, team performances where suddenly you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how to get the piece of the FPL pie. Um, so, um, no, to answer your question,
1: (laughs) I think, I mean, kind of a no for me too, to be, to be totally honest, but I think that I maybe, I suppose that in some ways it's just because they played, Man City in game week one, and it was just hard to see past that. But in hindsight, I'm not really sure we weren't considering some of their defenders as 4.5 million players. I mean, their defense is incredibly cheap this year. Uh, Tanganga's 4.5 million. and Sanchez, who looks like he might be a starter now, is 4.5 million. Uh, Reikion's only 5 million, not that much more. Eric Dyer, who we already talked about, is only 4.52. They, they They brought in, um, is it, who is Romero. the Romero. Yeah, Romero, right? He, he got just a couple of minutes. He got one yeah. minute at the end there. So, yeah. does Romero ultimately replace Dyer? Most likely, give it a week to see.
2: Yeah, apparently he was nursing a bit of an injury. I don't recall what it, what the injury was, but um, yeah. I think that that is probably a sign of things to come. And uh, Eric, Eric Dyer seems like he'd be the first one to make way.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're trying to keep it positive in this week's pod, but neither of <laughs> us are. And I like—I mean, Eric Dyer seems like an awesome dude. Like, if I could if I could hang out, and get a beer with almost anyone in the <laughs> sure. Premier League, he would be at the top of the list for sure. But fantasy-wise, he's been pretty disappointing over the years, and so that's our—that's where we're coming at this from a slightly negative perspective. As far as Chelsea goes, I don't know what to say. I, I, it's like we sort of—this is a real fantasy question that, in, in some ways, I think is—is—is is, is just sort of always a question that's kind of tricky to answer, which is do you play the game week in front of you or do you play the next four game weeks? Because if you were just playing game week one, right. And you were going to deal with the problems after game week one that may arise, you would have had like at least two players from Chelsea in your game week one squad. You kind of knew that they were going to (laughs) slaughter, you know, crystal palace at home. Maybe we didn't know exactly who was going to play, but we could make some inferences. It would have been unlikely for Rudiger and Azpilicueta, for example, not to play, it felt very likely that Pulisic was going to play. Mason Mount was was very likely to, especially because he didn't start the Super Cup. Um, Timo Werner, if that's your speed. Yeah, it shouldn't be, maybe <laughs> sure. it is. Go out there, have fun
2: with it. You <laughs> have freak. Have fun
1: with it, yeah. So, I mean, we, I, I feel like Pulisic was the one, and the only reason I didn't bring him in ultimately was because he was .5 million too expensive, and I would have had to go with two 4 million defenders in the bench, which I didn't want to do, even though in hindsight it... I I could have because Joel Veltman now has like a COVID close contact or something and, and might be out for a while. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, and then Brownhill didn't start either. My bench is like dead. There's like no, (laughs) Oma Bommadelli has some, some sort of, um, do you have appendicitis or something like that? He had some kind of issue that was, that's going to keep him out for
2: his tummy hurt.
1: Was that, was that? Yeah. He had some kind of illness. I don't know, whatever it was. I'm just like, why did I say appendicitis? He had some, some sort of problem. It didn't seem like long-term, but it wasn't totally clear if he was even going to start anyway. So now we're in a position where, yeah, we, we might be looking for some, from some cheap defenders. But back to Chelsea for a second. Did we learn anything that we didn't know already? I mean, they're they're going to be really good this year. And-
2: yeah, they looked awesome. Yeah, uh, and they will yeah. continue to be awesome. They will be. Pro- they will be awesome on many different fronts, from domestic cup competitions to Europe, to the Premier League. Uh, I don't, but I don't think we can answer this question until Lukaku is in the starting eleven, yeah. and yeah. that is going to. Okay, so Lukaku gets into the starting 11. We see him play in the league and that a few different things could happen. The most likely outcome is, wow, Chelsea are awesome and Lukaku looks great. We have to figure out how to get Lukaku. Um, Or then it becomes a week to week debate of whether we're getting Havertz, Pulisic or Werner to just sort of like collect the residual points more affordably.
1: I don't know what happens to Werner when uh, Lukaku joins. It's not clear to me that he, I, I, in some ways you could just keep playing him in the left. Does it matter if he never scores? Is that a, is that a problem or is it fine? I, they won the Champions League and it was fine. So I, I, I don't really know. And again, I'm very high in this yeah, team. I, 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 I like think you really could. really yeah, You could
2: set it up where Lukaku's the number nine and then you play Havertz, Werner, and Pulisic as three behind him. I could see that sure. working.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I mean, we're certainly going to see a lot of rotation. I mean, Ziyech is, is out. I don't know how long he's out for. Uh, maybe just a couple of weeks longer. Still, um, the fantasy side is expected back August twenty eighth. So we'll see. I mean, most likely, if that if that's when he's expected to come back, then they'll probably just wait until after international break to be safe. So um, when he comes back, that does create some problems. Most likely for Pulisic, I would think. I mean, just because he was the one who came on when Zech got injured in the Super Cup. So I think it's going to be tricky. And, and then Lukaku, I mean, just coming in at 11.5, it's a killer price, it, you know, because you're like, okay, maybe in, in my head I was thinking, well, yeah, it, it's it's tricky. It's hard to have uh, Lukaku, but I'm not sure I'm that high in Fernandez anyway. Maybe I can get the same thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe I can get the same thing from Jaden Sancho or maybe just Mason Greenwood that I can get from Bruno Fernandez. And then, which just not to say that I don't love Bruno. I mean, he's an amazing player, but I was like, maybe I can just get away with not having him. And after today... His ownership's going to go from what fifty percent to ninety percent. Like God, every player, yeah, yeah, you're just yeah, going to yeah. start with him next year, right? He's going to be like a player that's in, you're going you're to pick fourteen players outside of. Bruno. It's
2: going to be like that U2 album that comes pre-downloaded on everyone's yeah, exactly, iPhone. Exactly,
1: exactly. So this is the second time that's come up in a week in conversation.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> U2 is everywhere. Uh,
1: so yeah, lots more to come on Chelsea. I, I still don't quite know who I want though on that team. So as you said, let's wait till Lukaku joins and then we'll we're we'll I, I think. I mean, they play away to Arsenal game week two. It's hard to, at this point, I mean, this would be a fun match. You weren't actually going to watch that in person. Yeah. Somewhere TBD in Brooklyn or Manhattan. So we'll keep it posted for all yeah. of our Brooklyn and Manhattan listeners. But we're definitely going to get together and, and watch that match. You're, you're coming down from your upstate uh, abode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, a, by the way, a permanent return to Brooklyn, which I'm excited about. That'll yeah. be in September. So, yeah, I think... Um, I completely lost my turn of thought. Oh, right. So they Chelsea play away to Arsenal in game week two. And given what we saw from both squads this weekend, it'd be kind of hard to imagine Chelsea not keeping a clean sheet in that match. Um, they do play Liverpool away after that. Maybe a little harder to see him keep a clean sheet in that one. So I'm not rushing to bring in a Chelsea defender. And I guess Mason Mount would be the one player. I mean, I could go like for like and just bring in Mount for... Bring in Mount for... For Gun Gundawan. Yeah. yeah. But it does feel like I can maybe get the same thing from Benrama or Sar for $1.5 million cheaper that I can yeah. get from Mason Mount, and so I'm yeah. more inclined to go that way.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Mount is a great player, and I think like he probably doesn't get as much FPL credit as he deserves. But the reason is, as you're saying, there's always going to be a cheaper midfielder that can get at least close, if not surpass Mount's, Mount's
1: returns. All right, three players... Quick yes or no answers on all three of these. Jeff P L. Jeff F P L. says: Is this one of those stretches where Pogba's motivated and plays to his full potential? Does that make him a buy, even if he have two Man United midfielders already?
2: Oh God, um, Pogba! What <laughs> what a performance! I mean, <laughs> what? Okay, so what we know immediately about Pogba is that he um, was amazing this week. Uh, we also know that he has yeah. been amazing other weeks and turns up the very next week and is kind of not amazing. Um, yeah. It's all up to Pogba, Josh.
1: Yeah, he's not going to play as a left wing uh, for much longer. In fact, that may have been the one week that he did it. I mean, he was he had four assists. What's funny is I I thought he played really poorly the first 25 minutes of that match or so. I thought he missed some chances and Mason, Mason Grimm had played him in once. And it felt like he was, he was fouling a lot. And I was like, okay, like this is not working. You don't play Pogba as an attacking uh, winger. And then of course he responds and has four assists. (laughs) Fantastic. The final 65 minutes, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't seriously consider him. I think he could move right back into central midfield from, from here. So um, I think he's just uh, in a void, a full on void.
2: Right. Yeah. Sancho comes into the starting 11 and things start to, uh, I mean, I guess he slots right into where Daniel James started this weekend. So that doesn't necessarily mean Pogba has to move, but, uh, yeah, we, I I, I don't think it really requires over analysis. Pogba is great. You know, listen, if you want to have fun, go get him. It, it feels, it feels risky.
1: Yeah. I would just say, don't do it. I'll I'll go farther (laughs) than you will, I guess. Uh, Uppercut Panda says, is there a better Lukaku enabler than Dennis the menace at Watford? And that's Emmanuel Dennis, 5 million player, one goal, one assist, three bonus points, quite a start.
2: I can't see any, I mean, the only other way to enable that kind of Lukaku move is to get rid of uh, Bruno or Sala, assuming you have both of them. And that doesn't feel right. So you know, the, I think the way a lot of us had set up going into game week one is, you know, you feel like you're being budgeted up front, but being budgeted up front seems like it typically means you're spending around 22 to 25 million up there. So, yeah, you're still spending a, a fair amount of money as it is. And so I agree with Uppercut here that bringing uh, so long as Dennis continues to start. No, there's no reason why he wouldn't. That's the way to do it downgrade to a cheap starter. Um, And like we, we talk a lot about avoid the cheap for usually a 4.5 promise of a striker in the making. And that always blows up your team. Um, So maybe I am chasing Dennis's points from this previous week, but um, I don't know. I trust my eyes. Like Watford that worked. This is not a re Brewster situation where um, there's no plan. And yep. there was no way to integrate Brewster into that Sheffield United squad. So that Dennis feels much safer and better to me.
1: It just goes to show how hard it is to bring Lukaku. I and mean, as you we were talking, I was trying to figure out if I could, how I could do that. Right. So if I went Gunduan to, um, to Ben Rama, if I went Tony to Dennis, that would for 3 million. And I would, I, so I could move Ings to Lukaku, I would still be 0.5 million short. And that would be basically gutting two spots. Uh, yeah. I have two four million defenders on the bench. I mean, it, it is not going to be easy to fit in Lukaku and have Fernandez and Sala. And so, it's it's going to be like a real short term move yeah. for me if I bring in Lukaku. I do not see myself having all three of those all season. Just, it
2: could be a situation where listen, we did a whole preseason episode about forwards, and the theme was look, we have lots of great forwards to choose from. Yep. So keep your fingers crossed that. Ings and Calvert-Lewin and Antonio and Bamford all step it up, and they continue to bring us returns that can that can match whatever Lukaku and Kane are going to do so we don't have to actually deal with this situation. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That would be the dream. Yeah, do so well that I don't have to think about Big Rom. That would really ease some <laughs> of my stress here. Uh, final questions from FPL Pinkman. It says, get off Ben White or any other Arsenal defenders already.
2: Josh, I feel like... Um, Arsenal fans are often really quick to complain and they're entitled. But after that performance against Brentford, I finally felt that Arsenal fans had many legitimate reasons to (laughs) like really complain like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that lineup, uh, was an embarrassment. The way they played was embarrassing. Uh, yeah, and and Arteta, you know we've we've tried to be pro Arteta on this podcast, and maybe he's just like found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. But yeah. Arsenal, that ain't it. And if you if you have Ben White, uh, he's probably not a priority because he's easy to bench. But when it comes time to wild card Pinkman, uh, yeah, yeah, Ben White would be one of the first people I'd get rid of.
1: I will say. That I thought Emil Smith Rowe looked terrific and had some really nice moments and looks like he could be a real player. Only five point five million. I think that he's one that you can sort of keep on your on your personal watch list, uh, especially when Arsenal's fixtures get better in a couple of weeks. I mean, he just doesn't cost that much, so you can even bench him in, in bad weeks and, and get away with it. Um, but yeah, and I thought soccer looked pretty good when he came on late to sort of get lost control of the ball late, and tried to pretend it was a penalty. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty, a little bummed out about Arsenal, but I don't want to end on a bummed out note. So I'm going to say, Brandon, I was, I was overall, I was really impressed by the quality of the matches, the quality of the promoted teams, even just moving fantasy out of the window for a second and just talking purely about the experience of watching Premier League this weekend, it was what I didn't realize how much we sacrificed last year until today. You know, the, the matches on all at the same time, the fans in the stands, um, the players just seeming more up for it. The fans bringing a team like Spurs who are going through a really tough time right now to another level and just watching all of that happen. It was just so, thrilling and it was just it felt so good to have everybody back and, ha- and to have it seem like it's really going to be a fun exciting season I mean even things like Spurs roll in the league or Man City roll in the league it's like they're already they've already lost one match right we're not yeah. talking about the invincibles here and so I think it you know I'm hoping that we see a really open season this year and I you know it's, it's, a, it's a, it is exciting
2: all the kits looked pretty amazing, I have to say, too. Strong kit season. Good, Yeah.
1: Even Arsenal's kit. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's the best thing we can say about them this week. They, <laughs> yeah. Th- the road you. kit looks pretty good.
2: Yeah. I heard that they were wearing the wrong socks, but I was like, this is working. Red socks with this blue kit. It's great.
1: <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to do our lightning round.
2: All right, friends. A quick note for Fantasy Football Hub, which is a sensational one-stop shop for a lot of your FPL needs. What you're going to want to do is visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. And there, as a listener of this podcast, you can get 25% off the membership tier of your choice. What you can do at the Hub, you can access the greatest fantasy minds managing in FPL today. You've got managers sharing their team strategies uh, through thoughtful articles, Josh, you're an article reader. I happen to be a video watcher, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, contributors to the Hub are creating video content there as well. And if you're less interested in what other managers are doing and you want to you want to forge your own path, go to the Hub to access all the data. The Hub has real Optis stats, and they filter them through incredible, easy to use tools like their player comparison tool. They've got a sensational. Fix Your Ticker, other game week planning stuff like custom spreadsheets from the mastermind, Ben Krillin. Also, chat directly with managers just like you. You know what I say, Josh, right? Mm-hmm. I say no. never manage alone. Don't do it. <laughs> You can't manage alone. You have to chat with other managers just to keep mm-hmm. your sanity. And it's you can true. do that through the that Hub. It makes <laughs> yeah, fantasy fun again. It does make it more fun. So uh, Hub has uh, private WhatsApp groups and other ways to uh, keep in touch with people who are uh, who are sharing your hobby. Also, something I did this weekend during game week one is I used the new Fantasy Football Hub app. So you can go to the uh, iOS or Android store and download that Hub. So again, that's fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always where you can get
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Hey, Brandon, we're back. Game week two. Let's continue to make fantasy fun again next weekend, Brandon. I am excited. A nice mix. No Friday. This is a real traditional one yeah. this time around, Brandon. Yeah. Six matches on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then a a little uh, a little dessert on on Monday with with the West Ham, Leicester fixture, which I think could actually be a really fun and exciting fixture. I may it's have one hell of a
2: digestive there, Joshua.
1: It truly is. It truly is. So we have uh, three questions here in our lightning round. Okay, and the first question is. For me, Josh Landed. I put this <laughs> question in myself. Yeah, do we have a proper game week two captaincy debate now?
2: I think we. I think we definitely do. Uh, first of all, there was no debate going into game week one. I mean, uh, a couple of incredibly smart managers chose to captain Bruno over Salah, and I tip my hat to you. Um, but the consensus was, without any debate, Mo Salah going into game week two now. Based on game week one performance, obviously we need to talk a little bit more about this. The, the extra layer, right, is the classic. And for, for those sort of new to FPL lore and uh, sort of standard practice for, for uh, addicts such as me and Josh, you, you tend to not like to captain in the first match of the game week, the very first kickoff. So Liverpool, Burnley, it's enticing for Salah because they're home. Uh, but being the early and first kickoff of the game week, if things go tits up with this captaincy pick on Sala, it's going to sour the rest of the game week experience. And then you got Manchester United playing on Sunday, slightly more appealing. Um, so I guess that's those are the two sides of the debate. Um, yeah, the home real like
1: away. You know, that's another one, right? Salah's at home, Bruno's away. You know, we saw the home teams play pretty well this weekend, so that could be a factor too.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I and okay, so just like uh, thinking more tactically here and and less about the the home and away fixtures is what do we know about Hassan Houdal and Southampton? Is he does like to favor the high line? And uh, I thought Manchester United looked pretty terrific on the counterattack, and especially if you get Sancho his first start against Southampton, Bruno Greenwood, uh, and uh, and Sancho and maybe Pogba deeper lying, releasing them with an incredible raking passes. It's <laughs> United squad could just absolutely tear Southampton to pieces. Whereas Burnley yeah. are better at playing the low block and Liverpool can be stymied sometimes by, by teams that play in that style. I mean, I think Liverpool killed Burnley last season only when Peacock Farrell wasn't goal. We've got a healthy Nick Pope here, Josh.
1: That's, that's true. Uh, although yeah, conceding two at home to Brighton, Ugh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough start for Burnley. I think they really could could be in some trouble this year. We, uh, and so, I mean, yeah, so I actually, I will say on my squad right now, I have Bruno as my captain over, yeah. over Salah, And I think it's, uh, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a real debate. And I think there is, it's a hard one to split. It's a hard one to to come down and definitively say, yes, I, I have crunched every number and I am certain that Salah is the better pick of a burner. I think it's extremely close this weekend. And uh, and with Southampton, I mean, part of it to me is it just this kind of unsettled back line now with with Vestergaard having left. I I, I just worry a little bit about. I mean, all, all the other things you just noted about about Man their attack. I mean, we haven't talked about Greenwood very much, by the way. Maybe it's just because I, I have my team and you you don't have him. I don't know. There's like a logical. I guess you could move jordan to Greenwood if you really wanted to. But I mean, did you have any thoughts on Greenwood's performance yesterday?
2: I thought it was great. I thought he looked really dialed in. Um, I th- I thought it was interesting how him and Bruno kind of uh, were rotating positions on the pitch that they occupied. Sometimes you'd see Bruno sort of in the number nine and Greenwood out wide, and and vice versa. But um for them doing that I just I, I thought Greenwood had a higher level of communication with his teammates than I've seen in the past so uh and he looks he looked hungry to to throw a cliche yeah. out there so sure uh yeah there is definitely a temptation to move a player like Jota who is maybe a 65% best odds of starting this week yeah. to a player like Greenwood now now ollie's got a ton of options to to play with uh with United and he chose to give Greenwood the full ninety minutes but if you look at the preseason Greenwood was getting a lot of ninety minute matches yeah. and I think he's you know he's no longer the young buck where his his minutes need to be managed as carefully as they once were so i I'd be much more confident in Greenwood starting and and, and getting some points this week than than Jota. even though jodas Still a, a perfectly great pick. Yeah.
1: Had an excellent, excellent first match for sure. Um, yeah. I, I thought he looked great too. And it, it just kind of how I felt going into the season, uh, even more validated yesterday, which is that he's just too good not to start. Um, you know, maybe he gets moved around in different positions and he doesn't always play out of position as a forward and certainly when Cavani's back, although Cavani is not an every week starter, at least he wasn't last season. I don't know why he would be now that he's even older. Um, And so Greenwood, I just think, will keep getting moved around. And a player of his talent, I mean, just that, that, like you said, I mean, his finish on that second goal was, it turned the game around. It really did. I mean, Leicester, you know, Leeds scored that goal and you were like, ah, like, could this be like last season, you know, where, where Leeds played this, four three match against Liverpool and it was just completely wide open. But no, once Greenwood scored that goal, then you're like, oh yeah, let's just, let's yeah. just go ahead and, <clears throat> and take this game over. Complete, complete momentum changer. So um I just think he's got that kind of ability. And I thought he could have had a couple of assists in that match as well. So I feel really good about Greenwood. If you're looking for someone, maybe I don't know, maybe people are already starting to wildcard a little bit, you know, but I think that he's a great option for for any team. I just don't see him losing that spot anytime soon. Maybe he doesn't play 90 every week, but who does uh, outside of, you know, players like Mosala.
2: All right, let me take the second question here, Josh, and it comes from Blue Nose Stu, who asks, it looks like there's been a lot of big scores this weekend, and I've got what will probably be the best score of the season already. Uh, as someone who usually has a terrible start, should we do things differently if we've had a good game week one for a change? Now, Josh, uh, Pretty good start for both of us in game week one. Uh, We can talk a little bit about how, what this means for both of us for, for you does having a really great game week one suddenly change how you're going to approach game week two, or is it just sort of like proceed as normal?
1: Well, I think, I mean, you can look back at so many people who have won FPL who finished number one overall, and some of them have this number one season wrapped around seasons where they finished 300 K 500 K 800 K um, you know, way way off the mark, and I think that there's a certain kind of person, and I put myself in this category too, where I really do play better when I'm already playing well. <laughs> so, I mean, in some ways, that's an obvious thing to say, but I if if I let's say I luck into a good start, or or things sort of click, or or something something goes right, or I make a good decision, whatever, that does tend to feed more good decisions for me. It's like the, it's like the Tiger Woods thing, where I just feel like. I'm, I'm a little bit of a front runner and when I'm, when I'm, i really, I manage my best when I'm already doing well. And yeah. so I think that, um, I think, I think it's because I trust myself more. I mean, you've talked before about how you felt like you outsourced a lot of your thinking last year because <laughs> yeah. you had kind of a rough start and, and, and how you don't want to do that this year. And so, I mean, you're kind of in the same position as blue nose stew now. So I feel like that's, I mean, you're, I mean, it sounds like, again, I feel like we're like doing like lots of like sports cliches in this week. I'm not yeah. really sure why, but it's like this idea that like, because you're doing well It makes it easier for you to play your game, I think.
2: Totally. And operationally, if you're doing well, if you had a good game week one, you already have lots of good players. The problem is for for managers who are off to a bad start is now their focus is on getting new players in and getting what we might now perceive as the right players in. So they have a lot of operational things that they had to get through and having a good game week one. You're sort of freeing up, whether it's freeing up brain space to strategize for upcoming game weeks, or just kind of watching the uh, the extra uh, dollars uh, pile into your your team value. It also allows you to um, you you're already covered with the good players, so it allows you to start looking for more diamonds in the rough. And I think that is. Like where, where you might look to kick on after really great game weeks or good game week one, I've got all the players I need. All right. Maybe going into game week two, there's a little marginal player that I can bring in in my defense or my fourth midfielder um, that has a great fixture. Uh, But it it kind of feels good with having that good game week under your belt that you don't have to do any major surgery to your team as it is. Yeah.
1: That's a good point. I mean, just on a practical level, if you if you had a good game week or you had a good start, you're you're probably not replacing the most expensive players in your team, right? If you don't have Salah right now or you don't have Bruno, a lot of your brain space is probably filled up with trying to figure out how to get them into your squad. And I and I and I would advise you to do so. I honestly would. I know it's not the most fun answer, and you kind of want to go without them, but I think you just have to take your lump after game week one and just accept that you probably need to have both of them at least for the moment, given the form that they're in. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're right. So you can you tinker at the margins and I think that does make it a little bit easier. And so I think just having confidence in yourself is, is a big part of it. And Brendan, I like that answer so much that I'm going to scrap the third lightning round question. I'm just going to end the pod right there because it's a good upbeat note. Trust yourself. <laughs> yeah. Trust how you've done if, you, if you're if you off to a good start. Good luck to you. Make fantasy fun again, again this weekend. Thank you for listening. Brandon, if people want to support the pod, then go to patreon.com slash always to do so. I will read off our producer thank yous today. These are all the, the wonderful producers of the Always Shooting Podcast. Thank you so much to Mike DePietro, second mention on this week's pod, Brandon. Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T., Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner-Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Jim Payne, great to see you on the Zoom chat that we do with Patreon supporters on Tuesday. Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor forbrooks Skogang, Paul Hertzig, Andy Portlock. Andy, special thank you to you. You know why. Trevor Ingerson, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markov at FPL Merch. Go check out his new site. Looks great. Carrie Swanson, Karen Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Yuang, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower. Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Majoria, Ram Frosk, AJ, Fly You Fools, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanos also joined us on, a lot of these people joined us on the the Slack this week. Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Khaliv Rabi, Todd Byerly, Elper Paxoy, Martin Opseth, Lee Hickman, Valgar, Paulson Kruger, Jazz Benny, welcome back, and Francis Moore. Thank you so much, sincerely, to everyone who supports the podcast. And again, we would love for you to become part of the Patreon community. Go to patreon.com/alwayscheating to do so.
2: And if Patreon's not your bag, a thing you can do to thank us for these podcasts is just jump on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. You can also follow us wherever you get social media. We're most active via Josh on our Twitter account at hellcheaters. Email us hellcheaters at gmail.com. For all this and more, including the Super League code, our online shop where you can get some T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee cups, uh, go to alwayscheating.com,
1: et etc. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope you had a great week. I hope Game Week 2 is just as good. Talk to you soon.